Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to get to Dr. Jeff Myers. He's going to be with us in the second half of this podcast this morning. He's the president of Summit Ministries, a couple of books that I really want to talk to him about. Great author. And of course, Summit Ministries is just a phenomenal Christian apologetics and discernment ministry. And you're going to love hearing from Dr. Jeff Myers. But we're going to open up first uh, with just some recent events. And I got to tell you, I just looked at the headlines uh, before I came on. I'm thinking, well, I think we are going to just avoid all the news headlines for this morning because we could get into all the muck and the mire, but I just don't sense the Holy Spirit leading that way this morning. Every morning, there's headlines that you look at and you scratch your head. Sometimes you laugh. Sometimes you feel like crying. Other times you want to pull your hair out. But with what's going on in the culture and around the world, you um, as a Christian, it, our, our hearts are grieved. And I, I want to address that and then just be honest about that. It's hard sometimes when we see what's going on, knowing the, the goodness of God, knowing the truth, our biblical worldview, knowing about Jesus and knowing Scripture, and then seeing what's happening in our world. It can potentially be disheartening and overwhelming. So I want to open up in prayer, and then I've got some scripture to read before I get into uh, an article that I really wanted to talk with you about this morning. Father, thank you for giving us this day that you've made. It's a brand new month, Lord. Thank you. Great is your faithfulness, and we know, God, because we are alive, we know that you have a plan for us. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would guide us. I pray that you'd give us wisdom. You promise to direct our steps, Lord, and we trust you in all things. Help us to trust you, and as it's been prayed so many times in the past, Lord, help our unbelief. And uh, Father, prepare us for every interaction where we can share the love and truth of Jesus Christ. And God, help us to focus on things that matter, eternal truths. Help us to set our hearts and our minds on things above, and that takes discipline but we know that we can get there with your help, O oh God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us all things that we need. Uh, we lack nothing. You are our shepherd and our king and our great redeemer. And we thank you for the return of Jesus Christ, which is going to be soon. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to share quickly, um, not quickly, but Romans 12, I just read through some of this this morning. It's a great chapter. It's like every chapter in the Bible is great, right? But I wanted to share this before I got into this article today because we're going to be talking a little bit about communism in America, Marxism. We're going to talk about cancel culture a little bit. Um, and if we get to it, um, Jan Markell's got a part seven of, I never thought I would see the day. But Romans 12, starting in verse 9, says this, Love must be free of hypocrisy. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. If possible, So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 
But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And um, I think there's one more verse that says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So Romans 12, great chapter to study. A lot of things to try to practice and get into our lives, right? And that's the process that we are in. If you've been saved, converted, truly, as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, trusting in Him alone for salvation, and thank God that it is by faith, it's not by works, we can't do anything to add to our status as being saved. Um, but thankfully, if you are saved, then, then we're working through this process now of sanctification, and we are working on these things, uh, work out these things, the Bible says, with fear and trembling, work these things out daily. Um, so let's get to this article um, Oh, I forgot to mention, um, I've got an update on my book. I've had to reorder. It's been great. Um, people have been uh, asking for cases of the book through my publisher, and you can still do that. If you want information on that, you can email comments at standupforthetruth.com, and I'll get you in touch with my publisher. It's 50% off if you want to order bulk. I think that's anything over 12. Anything over 12 books, you can order in bulk at 50% off from what I understand. So friends have been getting this out there, and... Um, J.B. Hickson spoke at a, an event in Tulsa uh, last Friday and Saturday. He mentioned the book. He bought a case of my books. He mentioned the book uh, in his presentation in the morning, and by noon he was sold out. Now, that's, that's 24 books. <laughs> and he emailed me. He says, David, I need another case. Of course, I couldn't get it to him over the weekend, but it's kind of funny. Um, so God is doing some great things. Now, on the other side of that, there are always glitches. And this rollout has been one of the most frustrating rollouts of any book that's been published that I've done um, with the glitches on uh, big tech, Amazon. I've been censored, of course, on social media. Facebook has rejected four ads. Think about this. They've canceled four ads for canceling Christianity, my book. Isn't that ironic? But there's a glitch on Amazon with the preview. Um, you got to click on it a couple times to get the preview. You know how you can read parts of the book. You click on the cover. You can see the cover in large. But you should be able to read part of the introduction and part of the book by clicking on preview. But apparently it's set up for the Kindle version, but the paperback, it's not there yet. It's, it's been amazing. It's like it's, it's been out for three and a half weeks or whatever, maybe four weeks, three and a half at least. And the, they're still working on little things like that. But it's, so it's kind of been interesting but frustrating. But I thank you for your prayers. And if you have uh, read the book and have purchased it, please do a brief review, post a review on Amazon. Okay, so this link, I'm sorry, this article, I've seen this before and I recognize it this time too. This is from a woman named Marissa Hayes who grew up in China a totalitarian society where freedom was absent, of course, without basic human rights and the protection of uh, law. Life was unpredictable and complicated, she said. But there's some great quotes in this uh, brief article I want to share with you, very insightful, because of what's happening in America. It takes people who have lived under oppressive regimes, who have lived under communism, who've lived under these kinds of policies to come to our country <laughs> and lived under our Constitution and the freedoms we have here to recognize these things when they're starting to seep into our culture. So she goes on to write, I love America. I enjoy and appreciate the freedom it provides. Yes, freedom has limitations and drawbacks. And you go, wow, freedom has drawbacks? Now, she explains this very well. Check this out. She said, um, Christian thinkers caution believers to avoid freedom's traps. Now, what would be a couple of the traps of freedom? And she says, complacency and materialism. A couple of freedom's traps, complacency and materialism. She says, having grown up in a tyrannical society, though, I have a different perspective on the danger freedom has brought on Americans and on Christians in particular. While freedom is desirable and rightly sought after, it has unfortunately also dulled American Christians' aptitude and willingness to recognize evil, let alone confront it. Now, she says, for me, this has become the grimmest reality 
since 2020. So she goes on to explain. Freedom here in America has largely eliminated most physical suffering and human rights violations, which are still common in much of the world. And she says it gives Americans unprecedented opportunities for prosperity. The tendency, though, when life is so easy and free, is to push evil acts and other unpleasant subjects out of sight beyond our peripheral vision turns us inward, gets us obsessed with self, feelings, living our best life now. It's all about us and our luxury, leisure, entertainment. I often, you know, tongue-in-cheek, I refer to us as the United States of entertainment. Well, she goes on to say, so we hesitate as Christians to say anything negative for fear of being viewed as unloving. Affirmation and positivity have become the epitome of American moral standards. Isn't that true, though? So we we hesitate now. We want to be positive. We want everybody to like us. Think about this. Was, Was it ever a concern for Jesus, for the disciples, the apostles, the, the martyrs on through the centuries, past centuries, that people like them or that they were popular in the world's eyes? No. But our American mentality kind of encourages us to think that way. We want to be liked. And known. so that means one of the highest virtues is tolerance, right? We don't want to offend anybody, but that was never a consideration for Jesus, never for the apostles who said we must obey God rather than man. Paul talks about being a man pleaser instead of being a God pleaser. He says, if I, if I, if I wanted to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. So in this article, Marissa Hayes goes on to say this. She asked the questions, will you? And she's talking to American Christians. Will you see? Will you act? We see evil. But say to ourselves, as long as we remain positive and show love, things will turn out all right. But the sad effect to all this is American Christians lack the skill and stamina to contend for what is right. This may be overly simplified, but it seems to me that those who stand up to oppose evil are now the marginalized minority among American Christians. Didn't we just read in Romans 12, where did it say, um, hate evil, detest what is evil, cling to what is good. Then at the end of that chapter, Romans 12, did I say Romans 8? Romans 12, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So she goes on to say the sad effect, I want to repeat this because I want you guys to get it and understand this is what we are dealing with, and we have to be conscious of this mentality. The sad effect is that American Christians lack the skill and stamina to contend for what is right. This may be oversimplified, but it seems to me that those who stand up to oppose evil are now the marginalized minority among American Christians. And I I don't want to paraphrase what she's saying, but it's it's easier to look the other way, isn't it? It's easier to just look out for number one. I don't want to deal with all the junk in the world. I've got enough to deal with in my own life, right? That's an easy mentality in America, the land of the free, because of the brave, as we just celebrated Memorial Day. Um, So it should not be this way. Christians should know better. We, We want to honor God who alone holds moral standards and has the final say about what is right. But she says, and there's just a couple other quotes here from this article, and I'll have this in the podcast notes, standitforthetruth.com. I have, she says this, I have trouble seeing how people can claim to be Christians but refuse to obey or protect God's truth. So she says both. 
obedience to the gospel, obedience to the word of God, and protecting the word of God, defending the faith. That's where we get the word apologetics from, apologia, a defense of the gospel, defending the faith. Um, Believers have the spirit residing in us. He nags our hearts and brings restlessness to our conscience. But many of us are too busy. The conscience is one of those restrain, restrainers of evil in our society, in a society, our conscience. But we can dumb down the voice of our conscience so that we can learn to ignore our conscience. Does that make sense? And we see that. So she says, let me back up again to remind you where I come from. I have lived in a Marxist socialist country, and I'm conversant with its tactics and tricks. She says, I've seen this before, and I recognize it this time in America. The deceived conscience of the unaware Christian. And this is what she's concerned about. She's not surprised, and we should not be surprised by evil, right? We know it's going to happen. We know people are going to do evil. Evil people will do evil. Evil doers, lawlessness will increase. It says it's prophetic. But the deceived conscience of the unaware Christian, this is what she's writing about. What we cannot do in the face of evil. Remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer and some of the um, minority of pastors who stood up to Hitler? They could have looked the other way, like two-thirds of them did. They could have looked the other way, but they chose not to. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer's famous quote, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Does that apply to our times? Does that apply to America? Does that apply to Christians? Really, think about this with me. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. She says, I know I cannot hide behind God's sovereignty to excuse myself from standing up because God gave me responsibilities to reject evil, and he requires me to be faithful. So, friends, we have a choice to make. I don't know how long this podcast will be on the air. I don't know how long this ministry will be around. I don't know how long I will have a voice. Or others that are trying to stand up for truth, to stand against evil, to call, to sound an alarm, to really do a wake-up call to the church, trying to be watchmen and watchwomen. Uh, the remnant of believers were trying. Um, sometimes it falls on deaf ears. But she says this, I know the destructive nature of Marxist socialism gives me pain to see the increasing probability of a Mark, of Marxist socialist taking over our society. She's in America. She's seen it. She's lived through it. She's been oppressed. And she sees it in America. I think we've been warned for the last, I don't know how many decades, We've tried sounding the alarm throughout the Obama administration years. And this is not all about politics. This is about our freedom. This is about our God-given, inalienable rights. Government does not give us rights. I think some of you have recognized that during the Rona virus chaos and lockdowns and mandates and everything else. Vaccine passports now and whatever, wherever they're going to do, wherever they're going to go with that. Government does not give us rights. God gives us rights. But we've kind of been leaning toward that, going down that road now of thinking, well, well, well the government gives us rights so they can take away our rights. No, they can't. <laughs> government cannot take away the right to life and liberty. But if we trust in government more than we trust in God, that's the way we're going. So she's, she writes from a very healthy perspective. She knows it. She says, I cannot tell Jesus I'm too weak and too insignificant to make a difference because he told me that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. If in peacetime he has helped me so often, will he not also help me when I stand up for his truth in times of unrest and persecution? And she wraps it up by saying this, I know Jesus himself said that he came to bring divisions. How dissonant that sounds to American ears. I see evil partly because I am not because I am not unwilling to see it. And having seen it, I must resist. My conscience will not let me resist, will not let me rest. So that article by Marissa Hayes, I'll put it in the podcast notes. 
I've seen this evil before, and I recognize it this time. When we come back, we never thought we'd see the day. Plus, Jeff Myers coming up from Summit Ministries. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Also remember to check out our 200 resources you can trust. They are on StandUpForTheTruth.com, upper left. You go up to the top. There's a red word, a couple of them, podcast, upcoming. And it says resources. We got it up to 200 now. I don't think we're going to add to it. It'll, it. It could go on. but So we stopped at 200. <laughs> but it's alphabetized for you. So check those out. Now, before we get to Dr. Jeff Myers, who we've got coming up in eight minutes, um, we're going to be talking about a couple of his books. Also, just really introduce him to our audience. We've had a couple other people from Summit Ministries. Um, Jason Jimenez was, is one of them who's been on with us. He's from Summit. Uh, you guys know T- John Stone Street from Breakpoint. Um, so Jeff Myers is the president. So Jan Markell wrote another, uh, a part seven. I thought it was more than that because she's been doing these for a while. Um, I never thought I would see the day. And I just want to say, uh, God bless her. Um, she is interviewing me um, this later on this week. It will air, I believe, on Understanding the Times a week and a half from now or two weeks from now. So she's just been so amazing in just supporting us here at the podcast Stand for the Truth and, and my ministry. So I'm looking forward to uh, being with Jan Markell. But she wrote, It Just Doesn't Stop. Today, up is down, black is white, evil is good. Thus, I can't keep up with the astounding stories I read daily. Didn't didn't I say that at the very beginning of this podcast? There's so many. Where do you start? Where do you go? What topic? So we instead of jumping in and just kind of over going over those, we just started with Scripture today. I thought that was what we needed to do, especially after taking a break um, last week. She said, um, my conclusion is always, I never thought I would see the day, so I keep writing just to keep my sanity. <laughs> I hope I can help you keep yours as well. She says, I never thought I would see the day when, and then these are all bullet point points, a presidential administration would undermine our allies and fund our enemies, specifically undermining Israel and funding Iran and Russia, a pipeline or whatever. The next one, I never thought I would see the day transgender illegal immigrants would be prioritized over the non-transgendered. Non-vaccinated soldiers would be considered non-deployable. Many good people, Christians and conservatives, would be kicked off of Twitter, but a Hamas leader, terrorist leader, is allowed to celebrate the bombing of Tel Aviv on Twitter. I never thought I would see the day the National Day of Prayer would be compromised in 2021, not allowed at the U.S. Capitol, and for the first time in history, God's name avoided by the U.S. President. Many Christians, even pastors, are in complete denial that the whole COVID-19 global ordeal could easily usher in the beast system as it is excellent conditioning of the people, sheeple. Jan Markell writes, I never thought I would see the day when we would allow China's social credit system, known as ESG, to invade North America. Christians and conservatives in America and Canada would be assigned to second-class status, just like the Jews in Germany in the 1930s. Almost everyone on the American left would fall for the biggest scam in the history of the world, the so-called Green New Deal that, if implemented, would bankrupt the world. I never thought I would see the day that the American left would be more concerned about white supremacists, in other words, conservatives and Trump supporters, than Antifa or Black Lives Matter rioters. I never thought I would see the day men would actually be allowed to transfer to women's prisons, even though some may be dangerous sex offenders. I thought I understood delusion, but this is the essence of that. Wokeism would enter the church, even though too many of them are sound asleep. How is such a contradiction possible? It must be the end times. 
couple more. Jan Markell continues, I never thought I would see the day a new book called Prayer of a Weary Black Woman has the author asking God to help her hate white people. I thought we were now in a woke generation of tolerance and diversity. (laughs) Also, a Canadian dad would be sentenced to jail for trying to protect his daughter from a transgender medical procedure. Government spending and debt in America would soon go out of con- get so out of control that every U.S. citizen would have to pay $800,000 to pay it off. And then, finally, I never thought I would see the day only 6% of Christians now hold to a biblical worldview. According to Barna, that is, while 88% of Christians borrow from, a con- from contradictory worldviews for their beliefs. Did you hear that? We talked about that a couple weeks ago where it's kind of like New Age, kind of like this philosophy of you take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and, and uh, it's a smorgasbord mentality when it comes to religion and faith. 88% of so-called, quote, Christians borrow from different worldviews to complete their beliefs. So she says, that's enough for this installment. I have to process each bullet point and my brain hurts thinking about each one. <laughs> but Jan Markell continues, she said, Is my, in my lifetime, how many of these items were possible? Well, it's a privilege, a privilege and a challenge to be born for such a time as this. Many days I wouldn't trade it for another generation. On other days I would look back to the days of my family members who fled Russia in simpler times, but they won't call <laughs> these times simpler Anyway, I'm sure that's going to be coming up in a newsletter of hers, but I, th- I wanted to get that to you. I thought she narrows it down to just some concise bullet points of things that our founding fathers would roll over and rebel <laughs> if, if they saw these things happen, one, just one of these things, or even our great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents. So we see how the country has changed. Um, there's a couple books that I can't wait to talk about in the next segment. We're going to take a, a short, this was a shorter segment because we've got Dr. Jeff Myers coming on with us from Summit Ministries. And uh, a couple of his books, you're going to actually want to get a hold of summit.org, and uh, his books are there. Uh, we'll mention them when we have him on, God willing, in a few minutes. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back talk about one of his books, Unquestioned Answers, Unquestioned Answers. And also, he's got a new book out, 20 Things to Say and Do to Fight the Cancel Culture. Wiser men than I are writing about this and what we need to do and how Christians can respond. So we'll talk about that, and we'll start it off with a quote by Dr. Jeff Myers when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. I can't wait to speak with Dr. Jeff Myers. It's been a while trying to get him on our podcast, but we have him and uh, if you're not familiar with Summit Ministries, summit.org, check it out. We've, uh, of course, uh, talked about John Stone Street uh, over at Breakpoint. We've had uh, Jason Jimenez on the podcast. And uh, he's the president, uh, Dr. Jeff Myers, the president of Summit, one of America's most respect- respected authorities on the Christian worldview, apologetics, leadership development. He's the author of many books, including The Secret Battle of Ideas About God, And also one that I came across last year, which is why I tried to get him on uh, the podcast, Unquestioned Answers, and now a brand new one, very pertinent to what's happening in America, 20 Things to Say and Do to Fight the Cancel Culture. Jeff is from Colorado. Jeff Myers, thank you for being on the podcast. David, it's great to be with you. I'm sorry it took so long, but I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, let's start with that, why it took so long. I tried to get a hold of you because I love the book. We love apologetics here and church discernment issues and, and, and engaging culture and all of the above. But you had been going through a cancer battle and treatments last year, which is why you could not come on the podcast. And I would love for you to just give an update. I know you have it in detail at summit.org. You did a podcast episode on what you've learned through your battle. And I would love for you to just, if you could share the bullet points with our audience just to start out. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. I did share it. And if you Google Dr. Jeff's show, Summit Ministries, you'll be able to see that episode there. But uh, last November, I had to go in for emergency cancer surgery and discovered through some tests that the cancer had spread to my lymph nodes. So beginning in January, I went through a very aggressive treatment process. 
have an excellent medical team. Um, it's testicular cancer, which is uh, very curable, mm. but you have to be extremely aggressive with it. And uh, my medical team fortunately included the, the doctor who helped to, or was the guy who helped Lance Armstrong through that whole battle. Wow. And the, uh, the, the long and the short of it is that so far I've gotten very good prognosis. It looks like the cancer is in remission. There are more tests to go. Uh, my energy is coming back, but it has been an extraordinary time. And wow. anybody who's gone through a difficult physical time or maybe a difficult emotional time during the last year with COVID, I hope that it can minister to you to know that uh, God is faithful. His mm. mercies are new every morning. And there are times in life, David, as you know, where you want to try to plan for the long term, but you don't ever want to get to the place where you stop feeling that you're dependent on God for your everyday success. Mm. That uh, there are many times in life where God says, hey, let's not do the next five years. Let's do today. Be mm. fa- let me show you my faithfulness today. Amen. And my wife, Stephanie, and I have seen that in an enormous way through uh, the the struggles of this, the pain of it, but also through the prayers of the saints and the support of our community. Wow. Um, didn't, uh, wasn't it C.S. Lewis that said, God uh, shouts to us through our pain? Mm. I think that's... He what, did say that, that's yes. A partial quote. And, and Yes, and you know, and he was a man who struggled with a lot of pain through the death of, of, of a loved one mm. and also through uh, many health issues that he had to struggle through so he could speak credibly to that. But, you know, a lot of us, David, can speak credibly uh, to it. Uh, p- pain is part of living in a fallen world. And I was visiting um, with my brother yesterday about this and, and said, you know, part Part of what we want to realize about life is that we aren't immune from pain. We don't have a God who promises us that if we just have more faith, that all of our troubles will go away and we'll experience prosperity. Hmm. Um, I was asked about that on a news show last week, and I said, it's it's interesting that you're, we're talking about this, because at that moment I was reading through the book of Job, my <laughs> uh, personal Bible reading time. And uh, I, I said, I think the book of Job is in Scripture for a reason. God, uh, God and Job had this conversation, and, and Job said, well, look, God, if it's not too much trouble, I'd like to know why. And God never answers his why question, hmm. which has baffled people for, for centuries as they've read through the book of Job. But I think what God wants is for us to trust him and to rely on him as we go through these difficult times. So, I'm, you know, I'm always happy to talk about that, but I, I, I do encourage people to look at or listen to the Dr. Jeff Show podcast episode. Uh, it was tough. I broke down a few times as I was trying to talk about it, mm. and uh, my producer was just weeping openly. You could almost hear him in the background uh, wow. as, as we just really tried to process honestly, but in a faithful way uh, to to the experience of pain that that God has led me through. And I I hope that ultimately it's a real encouragement to others. Oh, I'm sure it will be. And they can get to it by going to summit.org and then clicking on resources. And um, have you been doing the Dr. Jeff show for a long time, or has this been more of a recent uh, development? So it's one of those projects that I started when I realized I was beginning to go through a cancer journey. Hmm. And, you know, the word cancer to a lot of people automatically means death. I was visiting with a dear friend who I don't think he realized what he was saying (laughs) when I shared with him that this is what I would be going through. He said, yeah, we've lost a lot of good ones lately. (laughs) And I thought, (laughs) oh, my goodness, it's a a funny (laughs) I'm not dead yet. Yeah, exactly. And and (laughs) what I I said to my, my, uh, you know, what I said to myself as I was visiting with my friend was in many ways, I don't think I've ever felt more alive because mm. I sense the significance of every moment. So I started the Dr. Jeff Show podcast in the in the middle of that, and it, uh, because I just thought, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many opportunities I will have 
to interview such amazing people and get into their stories and share some of my own. And so I'm going to make the most of every moment. Unfortunately, I have an excellent production team who said, thumbs up to that. Let's, let's do it. And we started it, I guess, back in, uh, at the, it, uh, sometime in April. Wow. So it's okay. new. That's mm-hmm. great. The Dr. Jeff Show podcast. I encourage people to check that out and hear the full, the detailed uh, testimony and what you've been through. Um, so I've got two books here in front of me, and I know we don't have time to talk about both of them, but we can touch on uh, some key issues. And uh, one of them is unquestioned answers. And I love the things that you went through, the cliches, Christian cliches that are popular, but maybe not biblical. And it's the subtitle is Rethinking 10 Christian Cliches to Rediscover Biblical Truths. Um, I'm just looking at the list, if I could just go through the bullet points and just have you touch on whatever one you think comes up recently that people can maybe uh, relate to. Uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Another one is just mm-hmm. just have faith. Um, how about Oh, this one we every Fourth of July or every National Day of Prayer and other times it comes up. God will heal our land if we humble ourselves and pray. Of course, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Then uh, it's just me and Jesus. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. Jesus was a social justice warrior. <laughs> it's not my place to judge. The world has nothing for me. This world has nothing for me. And finally, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. So, Dr. Jeff Myers, if there was one that you could touch on right now um, that maybe our listeners would be blessed from hearing your insights on, what would that be? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a tough question, David. <laughs> I, I, l- let, me, let me preface my answer by saying, that I, I, the, I wrote the book Unquestioned Answers, which I know is an odd title <laughs> for, for a book, but I, I am convinced that a lot of people have unanswered questions. At Summit Ministries, we work with 50,000 young people every year, and they have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have unquestioned answers, cliches that they have picked up over time, that if they really were to think them through, they might back away from them. And one of those cliches is, is this, this uh, call and response that you often hear in churches. God is good all of the time, all of the time God is good. I don't question God's goodness. Um, Nahum talks about God's goodness and our, our faith in God's goodness. But when we lead with that as Christians to people who are going through a difficult time, it makes it seem as if we are backing away from really helping people deal with the difficult issues they face. David, right now, I I work with young adults, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. at at Summit Ministries. My main audience is 16 to 25-year-olds. Wow. And 40% of them are dealing with some sort of a mental health issue, such as anxiety and depression. 25% of them have considered suicide, even within the last few months. Now, you know, this is not something we we can deal with with a cliche. We have mm. to ask. Tell you know, tell me your story. Tell me what is happening. Tell me what your experience is. Tell me how you understand your relationship with God as you work through this. And as Christians, we can be confident that if we ask questions and engage people in conversation, that very act of conversation, that dialogue, is something that God uses to bring healing. So don't be afraid of it. Don't dismiss the conversations with cliches. Be willing to dig in with people. Mm. Um, one thing that we hear quite a bit, I mean, I heard growing up, uh, I, you know, ask people, why do, you, why do you believe in God? Or, or how can you know that uh, Jesus really rose from dead? And they just would simply say, because the Bible says so. Well, th- that's a good answer, but what, if, what about the Bible? What's in the Bible? What, what makes the biblical worldview? What makes it true? And compared to other worldviews, so many other questions that one of those cliche answers, like, I, that settles it, because the Bible says it, that settles it. Okay, I understand that, but like you said, there's people that really need a lot more information other than those simple, quick, oh, oh just have faith, just believe it. Okay, well, so I I would love for you to just share um, one of the most maybe provocative things that that people have asked. I know there's questioning, there's questions about the the, uh, role of evil. Why does God allow evil? And that's, we've talked a lot about that. 
But there's there's one thing that on the list here in the bullet points points in the book it says, um, "Love the sinner, hate the sin." Now that seems mm-hmm. biblical, um, and uh, but I don't know if people understand the theology behind that. Could you explain why you put that in the book as a cliche we could avoid? <laughs> well, you, you hear that a lot. It, it is a it's a Christian way of 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 uh, trying to deal with the nature of sin, but I specifically address that one in relation to people who are going through same-sex attraction issues. The thing we have to keep in mind when we have conversations with folks is that they don't see their sin as a sin. They see it as their identity. And hmm. So we have to back up a little bit and deal with the, the realization that uh, there, there's more. There's more going on here than just saying, well, that's sin, and uh, so you, you have to deal with it. Uh, the nature of sin is su- such that it affects all of us all of the time. Mm. If I say, well, you know, love, love the sinner, hate the sin, um, you know, I, I may be dealing with the sin of gossip or of envy or covetousness mm-hmm. or all kinds of things. And, and so I don't want to dismiss... I don't want to dismiss the, that too quickly in the conversation. Um, you know, I'm hearing a lot of podcasts lately. How do we involve LGBTQ people in the church? And I think we need to go back and ask questions like, why should an LGBTQ person come to church? Is it just for community? Because they may have community every other other places. Mm. And, and the reality is we all need Jesus. We need the redemption that he brings to us, and we have to grapple with the the, the realization that uh, up against uh, Jesus, we are all just completely broken, and all of our attempts to fix ourselves just make us more broken. Amen. So I don't know if that helps uh, on that question. It does. <laughs> I, I like that you pointed out, Jeff, that you know we we tend to think about that when we talk about sexual sin, and. One of my things I struggle with is coveting. I've, I've got to confess that more than I like to admit. But love the sinner, that means I'm telling other people to love me, but hate coveting. You know, so we all struggle with certain sins, but yeah, we, we tend to think certain sins are bigger than the ones we're dealing with. And I, and I like the way that you put that in there as one of the cliches. But I want to transition now to a new issue that's going on where Christians in America are being discriminated against. Um, there is more intolerance by the preachers of tolerance toward the biblical worldview than we've ever had in our lifetime. And that is one of the things that has produced this cancel culture. And I want to quote you because you've got a new helpful booklet. It says 20 things to say and do to fight the cancel culture. And you say this right now in America, we are seeing people's lives and livelihood destroyed because they are, they share a dissenting viewpoint. Cancelers are following a century-old script written by Vladimir Lenin that wins power by shaming and silencing opposing viewpoints. Those who hold to a biblical worldview must not be silent. But Dr. Jeff Myers, they are trying to silence us nonetheless, aren't they? And what, why, what led you, I'm sure many things, led you to write this book? Would you explain? Well, I, I, I can tell, I will, I will tell you uh, what led me to write the book. It was a personal story with a friend of mine, Dr. Mike Adams, who was a professor of criminal justice at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. And he, he's a free speech advocate. You know, he loved uh, posting tweets that would, that would uh, get people thinking and talking. But in, in the process of doing that, he went through a number of free speech battles at the university. And ultimately, there was a, a former trustee at the university who shamed and got him canceled and essentially pushed him out of his job at the University of North Carolina. Wow. And, uh, you know, in my conversations with Mike, he, I thought, well, Mike, this is, this is going to be fine. Uh, I mean, there are lots of Christian colleges that would love to have you as a professor. Um, there are all kinds of opportunities, books, and all sorts of things. But he said, I don't think you understand. My career is over. Wow. And he could, he just fell into a depression. And David, he ended up taking his own life. Oh, my goodness. 
and this was just about a year ago, but it's as fresh to me as if it had just happened. Hmm. And I thought, why, why can't we learn to dialogue and, and deal with one another? And it, it doesn't even matter whether I agreed with Mike on all of the things he said on social media. The point is that he was literally pushed out of his position um, by the university, which is a governmental entity and obligated to protect his free speech. And it ended mm. up being a very, very tragic situation. So that's what led me to wow. to write the ebook. And then I started looking at all of the other cancellations that have taken place and the, and the meanness that happens in so much in social media. I do think it goes back to a Marxist worldview. Keep in mind, from a from a, a democratic from the perspective of a constitutional republic in a democratic situation, we need to have free speech. We we must have it. You know, those who exercise free speech should be prepared to defend it. Uh, hurting people is not the goal of public discourse. We have a First Amendment for a reason, and, yes. and I really think that. You know the mark. The Marxist viewpoint is no. You should not have free speech. By the way, fifty more than fifty percent of the people in America now think the First Amendment should be rewritten. Wow. There, there's not a commitment that we should be allowed to freely discuss things, and and Marx was all over that. He used the term abolish thirty times in the Communist Manifesto, and Lenin followed that. Their goal was that you should shame and and dismiss people you disagree with rather than dialogue with them. I think that's tragic, and uh, Christians should not fall into doing that to others as as well. And we're seeing that, and most most of us, I think, Jeff, would be, if we were to admit it, we would be surprised that it's happening in our country. I remember my grandparents, the topic of socialism came up. This was in the 70s, right? And they said it could never happen in America, and here we are. There's there's social I mean communist policies we're seeing uh, being carried out in our first segment today I went through an article by Marissa Hayes she grew up in China and she lived in a totalitarian society where freedom was absent and she said she's concerned about what she sees now in America and she said I have seen this evil before and this time I recognize it so Jeff Myers in your booklet 20 things to say and do to fight the cancel culture you talk about a a devastating campus cancel. Was that about uh, Dr. Adams? Yes, that was about Dr. Adams. And it led me to to look at other examples, but the most recent of which, by the way, is Matthew Lohmeyer. He's a lieutenant colonel at the United States Space Force. He wrote a book called Irresistible Revolution, which I am reading right now. And he said, we take an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States. And yet, Marxist indoctrination is taking place in the United States military. He said, I am obligated to speak up about this. Well, he lost his his position. He was fired as a lieutenant colonel at at the United States Space Force. As a result, this should bother, this should deeply concern all of us, because that's so much the Marxist script, that you don't have dialogue with people. You, You try to eliminate them. You shame them. You you ruin their reputation as much as you possibly can. And I, I just think it's extremely ironic that the United States military proved Matthew Lohmeyer's point that he's making in the book by firing him <laughs> for defending the Constitution. Exactly. Um, we had uh, Lieutenant William Boykin, General William Boykin, on the program from the Family Research Council a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about some of this and what's happening in the military and Ronald Reagan, I'm paraphrasing a quote from Reagan, he said, if we forget what we did, meaning our history as a nation, as Americans, we won't know who we are. So, Dr. Jeff Myers, we have a a little bit of time left with you. How much of this goes back to the education system that's really been hijacked by the left in America? Oh, I, I think a lot of it goes back to the education system. When I was in college, my professors would regularly say things like, well, I may not agree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, I thought that was a good statement, but that is no longer the case. What we have now that we call education 
is largely indoctrination. And we can we can unpack that if we need to, but boy, as we just uh, celebrated Memorial Day, uh, thinking of those who have fallen in combat. Um, oh my goodness! This is this is huge. Uh, you know, the Marxist viewpoint says that in in evil, he says evil societies, the past dominates the present. Instead, the present should dominate the past. In other words we have an obligation to go back and reinterpret everything that happened in history and mm-hmm. to eliminate essentially the value of the sacrifices of those who've, who've come before. Um, I think that's absolutely tragic thing. Well, and in government, it starts from the top down and the U S department of education has drifted from that biblical worldview founded on what our founders believed, the God who gives us our rights, not the government who gives us our rights. But, um, um, so, Jeff, is there something that you can point to as maybe one of the catalysts through the decades that changed uh, civil discourse or debate in the public from, I disagree with your views, um, but we are going to have this civil you know, disagreement or debate, to, I disagree with you, and that makes you evil? Well, yes, that I, I, I do. And again, I not to harp on this point too much, but keep in mind, this is a battle of worldviews. Yes. It's not just the biblical Christian worldview and then neutrality on the other side. No, there's always a worldview at play. If someone says, I dismiss a biblical Christian worldview, it's because they are embracing some other worldview and a secular worldview that says only the material world exists there is by definition no God, no Jesus, no heaven, no hell, or a Marxist worldview that says only the material world exists, there's only so much to go around, so anybody who has any more than anyone else only has it because they stole it. Those two worldviews are strongly at play. I would encourage people to very closely examine, we can help you at summit.org, closely examine that what is really truly a battle of ideas. And, and I, you know, if we just say, well, I, I go to church and I watch the sermon and I sing the songs, and so that's going to be the sum total of my Christian life, hmm. I, I think they're ignoring, you know, what I know is a key focus of your show, First Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have. Amen. And you don't have to have a PhD to do this. You can just get a few resources, examine a few, um, a few lectures. We've got tons of free resources there at summit.org. David, especially this is important for young adults today, mm. and that's why we do the summer programs that we do with, with young adults virtually and in person, to get them in touch with Christian thought leaders who are really examining these issues so they can be prepared to, to stand. It doesn't take a lot of people to stand. It just takes a few, and then more people gain courage from that. So anybody who's listening right now, just prepare yourself. You, you, right. This is a time to stand. Amen. Uh, Dr. Jeff Myers, where can people get the 20 things to say and do to fight the cancel culture? Just go to summit.org, click on resources, type in 20 things, and you'll be able to get that free ebook on the cancel culture and know what to do and what questions to ask. Great. Uh, and the other book, Unanswered Questions, is available at summit.org. It went by so fast. We've got to say goodbye already. Dr. Jeff Myers, Summit Ministries, thank you so much, sir. God bless you, and let's keep in touch. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. And tomorrow you will hear from Gary Ka, Hope For The World. And on Thursday, we welcome back after quite a long hiatus, Don Vino of Midwest Christian Outreach. And thank you guys so much for your support, your prayers. We're back at it, friends. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.